0: This is Turning Earth, the first part in a three-episode series discussing current ecological issues in Ireland. Um, it's myself, Craig, and another guy, Tommy, who are putting together the show. I'm going to be doing most of the talking for this, the first episode. Um, Tommy's doing sound. Um, so this week, for the first one, we're talking about the Bag Incinerator. For people who don't know, Poolbeg is an area of Dublin that's just down by Dublin Port. It's where the two chimneys are on the skyline. It's an industrial estate 18 years ago plans were put into Dublin City Council to construct a municipal waste incinerator in the area so basically an incinerator that would burn black bean waste in order to produce energy for the locality uh, as soon as the plans were put in there was immediate local opposition to it from residents from Ringsend Sandy Mount, and Irishtown they came together under the name Combined Residents Against Incineration which they pronounce Cree for short so they've been campaigning against it for 18 years they've had like a variety of I suppose you call them successes, but they've been really been postponements of the beginning of construction. Um, but there was a huge setback to the campaign in 2001 when the Waste Management Act was passed by the government. And in that act, they restructured um authority within Dublin City Council in regards to waste management. And they made it so that the CEO of Dublin City Council, who is was one person, has final say in regards to waste management. And so the votes of elected representatives or Dublin City Councillors have no real bearing in matters of waste within the Dublin area. So when that happened, the Dublin CEO was then able to pass through the plans for construction of the incinerator itself. Now, as a result of continuing legal struggles, the local campaigners were able to put off the construction of the incinerator until last year. And last year, in September of last year, the final stage was passed through so that construction could actually begin on the incinerator in the area construction is being done by an American company called Covanta who they seem to like their main activity is building incinerators and they have a long history of it over in America and a long history of um, neglecting regulatory matters so there's a website that people can go to it's called covantawatch.org it was put up by a community group in America who were like documenting past issues with Covanta themselves so you can go and check that out if you want to see like a history of their behavior. So anyway, going back to Dublin though, Dublin city councillors have no say in the actual construction of the incinerator. It's been voted against like 30 times over the course of the last 20 years. And a lot of the history of the campaign will be covered by uh, local activists as well. A lot of the like kind of negative effects of incineration in terms of like ecological effects and also economic effects will be covered by Mindy O'Brien, who is the managing director of Voice, who we also interviewed about it. We're going to go over to the interview with John Whipple, who is a local campaigner. He's like a member of the People Before Profit, but he's been campaigning against the incinerator since he moved to the Sandymount area.
1: My is John. Um, I am an American living here in Sandymount. When I was walking home from the train, um, I spotted in somebody's window a no incinerator sticker. So I asked the neighbours, and they said, yeah, but we beat that you know, quite a few years ago. Then recently... Um, and working with some other people from the community um actually from the uh from the uh, water campaign um the idea of the incinerator going in um came back up and they were very sure that the incinerator was going back in i'm in contact with Frances core she runs a group called uh combined residents against incineration and they've been fighting the incinerator project for 17 years and have come very close to victory but this year, um, everyone could see the concrete structure of the incinerator rising out of Dublin Bay, out there on Pool Bay Peninsula. They can't do much about it. So they had beaten this campaign until the city council's structure was changed yeah. by the doll. So if you went to your city council and said, hey, I don't like this. I won't vote you back in next time, it doesn't, it doesn't have a bearing anymore on this. And that's really surprising. And it's really disheartening for a lot of people who believe in representative government that is yeah. a
0: that's a like a line of activity that's been pursued isn't it like because i've heard people talking about like potentially bringing in a motion of either no confidence against the dublin city council ceo oh, Keegan, yeah yeah, or else trying to um have mm-hmm. the legislation changed again so that it goes back to how it was prior to whenever the waste management act was brought in which was like 2001 or something so that in terms of waste management it can actually be decided upon by the publicly elected representatives, the councillors, as opposed to just the CEO. But which could take yeah, quite a while. Structural change for the
1: city council—that that needs to happen. Um, it, without that, um, unless the the doll steps in and stops the incinerator program, um, it it won't be stopped. On Keegan's one of On Keegan's jobs as the, the CEO of Dublin City Council, city manager, sometimes he's called. Um, is to make sure that project goes ahead and goes forward. Now, I don't know why it's so desperately important. Um, other strategies, though, I mean, there is there is one that uh, the right to water thing um, <laughs> have given us all quite a bit of experience with, and that's getting out on the street and protesting. So we've had two demonstrations since uh, that April meeting. Uh, one was at the Shawmour Roundabout, and we basically just walked up and down from the, from Clonacale in Irishtown um, up to um, the Charnamore Roundabout. But also
0: stops traffic as well there. for quite a while. Cause I was a
1: lot that. of traffic. It annoyed quite a few people, but there were the other people who said, you know, generally want to know what, what's happening. Why are you guys doing this? What are you so angry about? And when we told them they're putting in the incinerator, they're building it this week, you could see their faces fall. The other thing that we're doing is a legal challenge. And this legal challenge is being fronted by Frances Corr. She's been studying this for 17 years, Right brought in international experts over the years they've talked about it they've, there's been all kinds of studies done on the environmental impact so we've engaged um, a legal team but it's going to take I think 80,000 euro to actually do the case we need 30,000 for the lawyer and we need 50,000 just to kind of um, set, up, set up a bond so that if we lose the case Covanta um, Dublin City Council who stands with them and the Dublin Waste Energy Program get
0: their money back that what that's for defend themselves in court Um, do you know about like the opinion coming from Cree in terms of incineration as a method of waste management like could you say like whether or not people think that it's a positive form of waste management that just needs to be located somewhere else or they identify fundamental um, problems with it as a process and needs to be completely um, boycotted at you know
1: a Cree meeting um that happened about, um, about one month ago. Um, one of the major issues was that it's a health risk, and that's the main reason people are opposed to it. We're talking about health and safety. We've done so much to improve the quality of the water in our bay, safety for wildlife. I mean, everyone, I don't know if anyone else remembers the Brent geese and all that went into making sure that they had a safe habitat. But that Brent geese habitat where they're supposed to feed is abutting onto the, <laughs> the incinerator. I mean, I've been out there. Um, this is completely contrary to all the conservation work that's gone on before. Um, Covanta has, had, has a particularly horrible record in the States for, um, for not replacing the filters that people need um, for their communities, the filters that filter out a lot of the dangerous stuff that comes out of the, the exhaust, you know, the exhaust streams that come out of the incinerator.
0: And so how do... Um- um, Like, how do the anti-incinerator campaigners from the locality, like, can you gauge how they're reacting to, I guess you'd call it, like, political interest, like the interest of the people before profit, given their experience with political parties kind of coming in and out of the campaign in the past? Like, are they sceptical or are they enthusiastic? Very
1: sceptical. I would say, yeah, um, even people who are members of political parties um, who are, you know, would campaign on behalf of local politicians and stuff like that, they're not raising a political banner over... A confined residents against incineration but Cree um, is wants to maintain a non-political they don't want any political association with it in the the anti-incinerator campaign there have been every political party seemed to be against it at some point now that the now that there's been this kind of period of silence and kind of a false victory most political parties are kind of running away from it because standing up again against the incinerator feels like you know,
0: facing another defeat. So the two lines, or, like, yeah, the two main lines that I'm aware of right now in terms of resistance are the legal challenge... Um, Oh, no, three lines, because the legal challenge, public protest, uh, which is becoming yeah. more and more active, and then also the potential legislative change, because I know that, like, the councillors... Uh, who was it, Sonia Stapleton? She spoke about getting a motion of no confidence put in, and Richard Boy Barrett mm-hmm. is talking about, like, getting legislative change put in yeah. as well. but
1: the important thing is that we... Uh, that it's not just people for profit, that... it. That a lot of—I mean, there are so many people on the city council who have stood up. So there are lots of people who should be standing firmly against it. So one of the things city councillors can do, and you can ask your city councillor to do this, if you are opposed to the incinerator in the bay, call them tonight and ask them to boycott participation in the so-called community gain fund. Community gain fund is kind of a slush fund that the the project kicks out to the local community, like in the End and Sandy Mount, for local. Projects, businesses, initiatives, and clubs and things like that. They're going to kick out millions of euro to the local area so that we do not stand out and protest.
0: Okay, so that's the end of the interview with John Whipple that we did. We also contacted various kind of state bodies and local councillors just to see, just to get a, a more official perspective on things. So, what we have next is an interview with Claire Byrne, who's a member of the Green Party and a local councillor. She'll give a more kind of party political line on the attitude towards the incinerator. Um, so here you are. this is Claire Byrne.
2: Well, I'm Claire Byrne. I'm councillor for Pembroke South Dock area. and Green Party councillor. Um, and The Green Party has always been fundamentally opposed to the pool bag incinerator on the grounds that it's um, the wrong size, it's in the wrong location, it discourages recycling, and it contravenes the sustainable waste policy that we're supposed to be implementing here in Ireland.
0: Do you think, um just because you I'm just going to immediately ask you actually, because you said it's in the wrong place and it's the wrong size, do you think that incineration as a form of waste management is a valid form of waste management or would you be fundamentally against it as an idea or as a process?
2: I think incineration can, and in particular waste energy, can form part of um, waste management mix. Um, however I think it's the scale of this particular incinerator that's most concerning um, and it, you know, it, it the size of it and the tonnage that um, is going to be required in order to keep it running and also to avoid uh, Dublin City Council having to pay any um, additional fines on it. Uh, it's, it's discouraging people to reduce waste fundamentally is what we should be doing um, and reusing and recycling as much of the waste as we can.
0: So you'd, yeah, so you'd agree that it's kind of like de or potentially de-incentivising um, like reuse and recycling initiatives and things like that.
2: Absolutely, yeah. And, and it's disappointing because actually we've been doing really well over the last few years. I mean, we're nearly, you know, we're, recycling rates are at 42% in Ireland at the moment, which is really, really good. I mean, we should be, and they're introducing new uh, targets where we'll be hopefully reaching up to 50% by 2020. Um, but if we have to feed an incinerator at 550,000 tonnes per annum, it's a lot of waste. And um, obviously now it's going to be coming from all over the, the country with the new waste areas that have been introduced. Um, I think with the incinerator though, I think part of the problem is that there's no um you know, that there should be there should be a pollution tax on the incinerator as well.
0: And so but so what do you feel about how the government in Ireland addresses industrial waste or kind of regulates it? Do you think it focuses on it enough?
2: I think there are i think it, it could be better i think that um you know the regulations could be a little bit stricter i mean obviously we have a massive pharmaceutical industry here as well um so there's a lot, lots of questions about medical waste and yeah. waste associated with that as well
0: yeah yeah and so actually i'll just go back to talking about the actual anti-incinerator campaign itself mm. there's the community gains fund which obviously you know about um and you've chosen to boycott the committee that is set up to you know decide on how that fund is distributed um, but I was actually talking to, I was talking to Dermot Lacey, who's a fellow mm-hmm. Dublin City Councillor, and mm-hmm. he is going to sit on the committee. Um, mm-hmm. And his opinion was that, like, while he is against the incinerator, and now he's against the incinerator for reasons of like location, as opposed to like ecological reasons. Mm. But uh, he said while well, he's opposed to it. He thinks that because permission has already been granted and construction is already underway, mm-hmm. that. It's An inevitability that it will become operational, and so I'm just wondering, like, how would you respond to that position that it is an inevitability?
2: Um, I think, I mean, I think, look, there are potential legal challenges, but they would be incredibly expensive. Um, it does seem like, uh, Dublin City Council and indeed the government who have also, uh, you know put 44 million of public money into this to make sure that it happens as well. Um, you know, that that this there's a drive to make sure that this went ahead for whatever the reasons are. Um, as I said, the Greens managed to stall it when we were in government. Um, but policy since just seems to be directing to make sure that this has happened. So I do unfortunately think that there is very little to be done to stop it and I think there's very little political will on a national level to stop it as well. Um I think there is a general lack of awareness um, sort of beyond the immediate areas of rings end and sandiment about um about this incinerated the fact that it's going ahead. Um, that the fact that it has you know, there's lots of questions about uh it, like from a uh, from in perspective, like I said, from a uh, traffic management perspective, from how you know manage uh, management and enforcement of it when it's actually in operation, and um, ensuring that it's compliant with compliance with its licensing, and um, um, and you know I think I think I would like to see more people kind of get behind the campaign and more awareness about the fact that it is actually happening, and. Um, because, you know, I think Covanta themselves have failed in their communications campaign as well. I mean, they've literally sent one leaflet around last September and last October to say that it's happening. But their communication with the wider community should be a lot better and it should go beyond offering community gains under the 10.4 million.
0: So other than Clare Byrne, um, like I said before, we contacted a variety of agencies. Like we got on to Dublin City Council, the EPA and also Dublin Waste to Energy. So of those three, um, Dublin City Council told us that they'd get back to us, but then kind of never did. Dublin Waste Energy didn't give us any response whatsoever. But the EPA did get back to us and they were actually willing to give us an interview. It's just that we didn't really have time to get it done, unfortunately, before we were recording this. But um, they gave us a couple of text responses, basically. And in one of the responses, they said that the EPA is neither for or against incineration. They're only ready for what is the safest, most sustainable and ecologically sound process. They also say that they don't think that incineration will negatively affect reuse or recycling initiatives. But uh, I think Tommy has a quote from them that he's going to read
3: out now. Yeah, this is direct from the EPA's email. Regardless of the sophistication of a society, there will always be a need for waste management technologies. There are waste streams that cannot be recycled. Projections of economic growth, population growth indicate that waste generation will grow in Ireland modelling of residual waste volumes up to 2025 20, and beyond suggest that that capacity is needed. So that's referring to the capacity of the bag incinerator. Um, so they recognise that certain wastes from industry mainly can't be recycled, but in their view it could be used for energy recovery. And now there's a funny contradiction between what the EPA are saying and what the government line is. At the Environment Ireland conference last September, uh, Minister for the Environment and Labour TD Alan Kelly gave the opening speech in which he stated that it is it is a goal of the government to incentivise the greater reduction of waste and to move towards the long-term goal of zero waste. So there's was a lot of talk about moving towards a zero-waste economy or a zero-waste society. So if you compare Alan Kelly's platitudes about zero waste to what the EPA are saying, the Minister's promises seem pretty far removed from reality. Um, the EPA's statement seems pretty reasonable. They're dealing with a problem that already exists, but it's very disheartening. Um, the idea that economic growth must equal waste growth is one that is up for challenge. And... Um, the projections and modelling of waste growth are based on current trends in production where the norm is excess packaging and electronic goods that are you know, built to break down, basically. So um, by committing the incinerator to that level of use, they're making current levels of waste production an economic imperative. And uh, Mindy O'Brien will uh, go into this in greater detail later on.
0: It's also just as well, following on from what Tommy was saying, is the fact that like the license for the bag Incinerator is for 45 years. So that's 45 years in which an incinerator that has to burn 550,000 tonnes of waste every year will continue to go on, which obviously doesn't seem like much of an incentive to, like, reduce waste and consumption, you know what I mean? It's kind of, like, entrenching overproduction. But uh, I'm just going to mention real quick before we go on to Mindy O'Brien is that the EPA, they forwarded us on a report for us to read as well. Uh, It was, like, a response to legal actions being taken by Chase from back in 2004. But in that report, they spend a lot of time referencing, like, European Union and World Health Organization standards. And I was just thinking about this when I was reading on the Chase website. Chase are the Cork-based anti-incinerator group. You'll hear a bit about them now in a second from Mindy O'Brien as well. But they just po- make the point that like, just because you're being given these standards, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're adequate. Those are just standards that have been set by institutions a lot of the time with industry in mind when they're setting them. But anyway, we'll move on now to the Mindy O'Brien interview in which she talks about incinerator in a much broader way than has been spoken about so far.
4: My name is Mindy O'Brien, I'm the coordinator of Voice, and we are an environmental charity working on waste and water issues. And In the waste area we have been very active in um, opposing the construction operation of incinerators to cope and to treat and to burn our uh, municipal waste. We feel that incineration really is a hype solution for dealing with our waste um, what we'd like to do is we'll go up the chain and first of all look at the design of a product to see if you can recycle reuse um, to make it have more eco labels more eco design products and then look to see how you can reuse a product afterwards
0: so then you think that like in terms of how to manage waste it's the best way is to go back to the manufacturers first
4: yeah yeah, and uh, and the thing is, is there's you know a con- a concept that there that a lot of people are working towards. It's called resource efficiency or the circular economy, and a lot of businesses are are adopting this approach because we have a, a limited supply of natural resources on this planet. We as a society need to learn how to adopt new initiatives. And It's not like you're going to create no waste forever and ever. It's it's a path towards consciousness towards um reducing your waste looking at instead of buying that drill that you're only going to use once a year you know there are lending libraries where you can go and you can borrow a drill and you can send it back or you can borrow something else so it's kind of a borrowing society so i think it's it's it we as consumers have a responsibility industry has a responsibility but we need to put the pressure on industry to become more Sustainable.
0: So just actually, just going back to incineration though, because I was thinking about it there, like as a method of like waste management at the moment, um, it doesn't seem to be a very efficient method anyway. So, um, yes. yeah. So could you just talk about that, like the amount of waste that could be recycled and like how the focus is?
4: The problem is, is that the energy really created, it's not huge. And as you burn, you're still creating waste. Yeah. So of the complete waste stream, if we're burning it all, it goes down to about 25% its original volume. So you still have the ash at the end that you're going to have to dispose of somehow. And you have the toxic ash that's gotten from the the smokestacks from from the top, and that's called fly ash. And that has to be treated in a special facility because it is highly toxic. Because when you burn things at such high heat, you create new compounds and you create new dioxins and ferons, which are cancer-causing materials. The the ash at the bottom contains heavy metals. It contains a lot of different things that just can't be burned. And so they still have to figure out what to do with that ash. Some people use it as, as composite for roads. For pathways uh, for um, fill for landfill as a cover for landfill, but there is problems associated with that. There are problems. Um, I do know that uh, the EU Parliament, European Parliament, just voted in its environmental committee that that no recyclable material or compostable materials should be incinerated or landfilled. So there is move in other countries to move away from incineration. And the thing is, is incineration, they've now termed it waste of energy because incineration has such a bad connotation. They say, oh, no, we're creating energy. This is a renewable energy because waste is a renewable material. We're always going to have waste. We'll always use it as a fuel. And so that's their argument for incineration but incineration is an old technology really they can tweak it and everything but it is old technology they have made them cleaner the, the emission standards they are meeting the emission standards but the problem is is you're always going to have human error if it doesn't burn as efficiently at, at high enough temperatures that's when you create the ferrons and dioxins is when it burns at a lower temperature um, another thing about incineration i'm not, not going to go into the whole the standards but another concern that we have is there's an overcapacity of incineration. The EU is looking towards the circular economy, looking towards more higher recycling targets, and you've got lots of incineration, incinerators around the EU. I mean, right now we're shipping a lot of our waste over to Austria and to Germany and to Norway and to Denmark, which have a lower rate per ton than we have, say, in Mies right now with the incinerator here. And I think you can't restrict the movement of waste. And so the waste generated here, even if we have the Ring Zen plant in place, we cannot dictate to the waste companies that they will definitely bring their waste to that plant. They will go to the cheapest option. Yeah. And then there's a put or pay contract on the taxpayers that if they don't meet a certain volume to be incinerated, then the taxpayers will have to pay for that shortfall.
0: But also, like, I've read that there's an incinerator up in Drogheda that was completed in 2012 and there have been plans for to build them down in cork as well which have been kind of protested against and challenged by locals
4: well there's but one in delete which is near probably near drogada
0: that's the one i'm um, talking about that's
4: yeah. the Meads incinerator okay and then the one in cork in ring of uh was going to be for municipal waste but also for hazard for for industrial hazardous waste yeah and the new regional waste plans that the government has just adopted in the last few months has called for an additional incinerator somewhere in the country, in addition to the Ringsend one. Really? And I am probably I, I, I feel that they're probably going to look at Cork again as a proper, as a, as a possible incinerator. They're calling for another three hundred thousand ton really? incinerator. Just the thing is, in the states. Um, I worked on this issue in Congress, and um, they had big problems because a lot of municipalities would have built incinerators to deal with their waste. and so then they put in place uh, something called flow control ordinances, which meant that whatever was produced in that area had to be burned at the local incinerator because they had put or pay contracts with same thing as we have in Dublin. And the problem was, the Supreme Court says you can't restrict the movement of waste. It's it's a it's a it's a commercial venture in, in under the Interstate Commerce Clause. You, everything has to move fle- freely, including waste. And so these communities were faced paying the the bonds on these huge incinerators, which needed the waste to operate and be profitable, but all their waste is being shipped to cheaper
0: options. Okay, so that's the end of the interview with Mindy O'Brien and. In terms of like incinerators and protests against incinerators outside of Ireland, um, over in Belgium, Indever, one of the companies who will be operating incinerators within Ireland, are a Belgian company. And Belgium has like a big culture of incineration as a form of waste management. But there's also been a lot of protest against it. And um, actually, John Whipple, he told me an anecdote when he was going down to the Puebeck site one time where he was talking to the contractors, the builders who were coming in to begin construction. And they said that they'd been working over in Belgium. For years building incinerators but like facing constant public protest against it and blockades and things like that and they came over prepared and with all manner of like methods of dealing with local protest and then there just hasn't been any protest whatsoever so it's it basically been like a dream job for them because they've just sailed right through the actual construction is flying up but uh, outside of Belgium um a good example of the bad examples of incineration is in Iceland where they have like a very a history of very poorly regulated incinerators and so contamination of the local area really negative ecological and animal health effects and there's one particular anecdote where like milk from cows in a farm near to an incinerator was contaminated with really high levels of dioxin something like 21 times the actual official safe amount and um, that incinerator has since been shut down but it's it's really worth looking into like because it really displays the risk of human error in regards to incinerators. In terms of any incinerators that have actually been stopped or like, you know, successful campaigns in Wales, there was a campaign to stop the installation of three incinerators, and two of those were blocked because of local protest. Th- the information about all of those international situations are freely available online, and I'm just, I'm going to give you like some further resources to look into incineration yourself, and so that people can actually educate themselves. So. One good resource is actually the Chase website itself. Now, it's no longer maintained because the incinerator down in Cork has been postponed. But that has a lot of information in regards to alternatives to incineration and other ways of like managing what can be termed non-recyclable waste. In regards to the actual health effects of incineration, a good website to go to is the British Society for Ecological Medicine. They've got a good report on there. Greenpeace have a report. It's from 2001, but it's still quite good. Um, there's a really good thesis published by a UCC student that you can find online in regards to the the cork, the Ringaskiddy uh, incinerator, and then apparently Jeremy Irons' documentary Trashed is really good, but he hasn't actually answered any of our emails. But apparently that's quite good. I think though, just before we go, because like we're running quite close on time, an important thing to mention is that like there's a number of arguments for and against incineration, and like I've repeatedly come up against people in the process of like preparing for this program who have said that they you know they've heard that incineration is positive form of waste management because it's like a stepping stone towards renewable energies and it's a move away from landfill which is obviously an incredibly negative thing as well and i think that kind of distraction the main issue which is that the primary problem is really like overproduction of disposable goods and packaging and so the incinerator is kind of like it's like a bandage for that issue you know so i think that's pretty much all i'm going to say about it right now uh the next episode of the show is in two weeks so that'll be on friday the 24th of july and that is going to talk about gold mining in ireland and recently issued licenses and the one after that we'll talk about fracking but uh yeah so that's it from us for now thanks a lot for listening